0: It's good to see you all. I want you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. We had last Sunday night, and I know some of you were able to go, and some of you couldn't make it, and that's okay, but we had a time at Living Waters, let me tell you. I mean, we had a time at Living Waters. God just, uh, just opened the door for me to be able to preach and minister there, and I was just floating when I left (laughs) and um, but I just thank God for Pastor Duke and Jackie I thank God for their lives I thank God for their um, faithfulness all of these years and um, their love and and uh, they were Angela and I's pastors for six years Angela's known Pastor Duke and Jackie since she was, well, Pastor Duke was her Sunday school teacher back when she was a little girl. A lot of people didn't know that, but uh, he was, and uh, she, in, in a way, kind of grew up with him in church as a, as a little girl, but uh, we, we just had a time, and we were there for six years, and then the Lord called us to start this church. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And we're here in the will of God. We're a fruit of that ministry. We're a fruit of them pouring into us. And so it was an honor to be able to be there. And I told Pastor Duke, I said, you're going to have to return the invitation. You're going to have to come to our conference in in January. And so he he said he would, I said, at least one time, maybe two. And he said, well, one time, amen. He said, (laughs) you know, uh, but uh, I know that he will be a blessing, you know, to us. And I'm looking forward to that with Pastor Lee. And uh, and so it's going to be a good uh, it's going to be a good conference and so and uh, even maybe Pastor Jay Pastor Jay Prasad said I'm going to be. Uh, there in California, uh, the week of the the four the weekend of the fourteenth, and I said, "Well, our conference is going to start that Monday." Well, that's Sunday, I said, "You'll just have to kick it off, Amen." And so we'll just see how that goes, but you just never know. But I'm looking forward to it. He's coming back from Australia, and he said, "I'll be stopping in," and I said, "Well, that's just God's perfect timing." So. But it's good to see all of you here tonight in God's house, and uh, we're going to read uh, the first chapter of Nehemiah. And don't don't worry; it's only eleven verses, but it's eleven wonderful verses. And so, let's read it, and then we'll get right into this tonight. Fa- uh, let's let's pray first, if if we if you can, with me, Father. We thank you for this time to break open the bread of life and to read the Word of God and to glean from it, Lord, and receive from it, to receive revelation, to receive instruction. And God, I thank you for your wonderful Word. You're an awesome God that's given us a living Word, God, to encourage us, to direct us, to teach us, Lord, to discipline us. Correct us, whatever, Lord. I thank you tonight for your word. And Lord, as we open it up, I'm asking you to begin to minister to each and every person in here, Lord, concerning the seasons of prayer. And Lord, I just pray that you will anoint my lips of clay, that as I begin to speak, that the words that come forth will be encouragement will be instruction, God will maybe perhaps even bring some answers to uh, some of the questions that we have in our mind and where we're at spiritually in this season in our lives. And so my prayer is for that, and Lord, I pray your blessing upon this word. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. It says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah the son of Hecaliah, And it came to pass in the month of Chishlu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house of sin. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which You have commanded thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now, these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. That's us too. Amen. We're redeemed by his great power and by his strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear your name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, I've preached this in Nehemiah. I've preached on revival. I've preached on vision. I've preached on approach to God. I've preached this first chapter of Nehemiah several times in almost 24 years. Because February 6th will be 24 years our church has been in existence. And God's been so faithful. And one thing I can say is that I have learned in my ministry and in my uh, serving the Lord here in this church as pastor, that there have been deep seasons of prayer. I know what it means to have seasons of prayer. And I was just praying last night. Uh, You know, I was just praying and I was seeking the Lord and what was actually meant to just be kind of a, Lord, I'm getting ready to go to bed and pray and so just bringing a few needs before you and some thoughts and it just began to stir and the next thing you know, you know, a long time later, I'll say, you know, I I was continuing to pray, and and I realized that it was late, and I had been in there praying, seeking the Lord for some time. It's not about the amount of time, but the quality of time that I had, and the time of breaking through, and the time of prayer and communion with God, and just it's just beautiful. And God is really taking me and you there. Uh, in this time that we're living in he's taking us deeper and I shared with somebody today I said the church at new life somebody that used to go here years ago I said the church at new life has grown I said because I've grown because I can tell you God's not going to take the church any further than he takes the pastor that's leading it and so I said and you know I'm grateful for that growth but I want to teach to you tonight, preach whatever, however it comes out, on seasons of prayer. You know, the last few services that we've been here speaking, we've been talking about seasons. And I've uh, kind of went into a series, and it's just kind of something that the Lord laid upon my heart. But I'm picking up on that series, seasons, uh, and the series of seasons. And seasons are a huge part of of our natural and spiritual life. You can go to the Bible and you're going to see that seasons are a very huge part from the very beginning. And we taught that in the first lesson that we had or the first uh, service in our series. But seasons are a huge part of natural and spiritual life. Um, There is nothing that isn't grown that doesn't have a season where it's sown and a season where it's harvested. And in our life, there are seasons that we go through and they may not always be broken up like the four seasons that we have in our year, but we go through seasons of sowing and we go through seasons of harvest. We go through different types of seasons and that's where I was kind of bringing this out. Um, seasons are a huge part though of our natural and spiritual life. And tonight, I want to preach on the season of prayer. And I'm using Nehemiah as my example here tonight or our illustration here in the scripture. We know that Nehemiah's life was moving along peacefully, routinely. Everything was going along just perfectly fine and uh, until he heard the news about Jerusalem in verse 3. The Bible says, And they said unto me, Uh, that the remnant that are left of the captivity in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The walls are broken down, the gates are burned out. Uh, He heard this news and it caused him to begin to go to prayer. And until he heard that news about Jerusalem uh you know he didn't have that prayer life that we read I'm not saying that he didn't pray I'm just saying that it was a season in his life where God really began to move him into a time of prayer and God caused him to prayer to, to pray seasons of prayer are in the will of God We have daily times where we pray, we seek God in our devotion, but there are times when we are put through something that we really have to pray like we've never prayed before. Amen? So God causes you to go to that place. It may be a sickness, it may be a shift or a change in your life, it may be a relationship change. You know, um, um, I was speaking with somebody today that's went through a divorce and they said unto me, they said, you know... Um, I, I just I, I'm closer to God now than I was you know uh, the last four or five years I'm at a place where you know I'm really seeking God and I feel like I did when I first got saved when I was just a young person and, and serving God God allows us to go through seasons of trials and tests so that we will pray And He brings us into that place. And life's events bring us into a season of prayer that we would never have known otherwise. We always look at trials or problems as bad things, but God looks at them as times of spiritual provocation. And Nehemiah was provoked to pray like he never had before. And thank God that God disrupts our lives Amen? We don't like disruptions, but God disrupts our lives. There are times in our lives that are disruptions, and they're because of sin, or they're because of choices we made, and that's our own fault. But then there are things that happen that are disruptions in our life, and shifts and changes that take us into a season of prayer, and that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. And God disrupted and turned upside down his life, and if it hadn't been that way, he wouldn't have prayed like he did, especially with such a burden. So we need those times where God begins to bring a disruption and bring a change in our life. He begins to just come in and and just move in our everyday life that otherwise would go on provincially like it does. Nehemiah uh, uh, perhaps uh, went through many seasons of provincial life. What is that? It's routine life. It's mundane life. It's ritualistic life. It's a, a life that's limited because you don't ever see any change of scenery. It's just the same old thing all the time. And, and we want peace in our life. But I want you to know something. If you're going to invade the kingdom of hell, you're going to incur or experience some turbulence in your life. You can't get to where God wants you to be without going through a little bit of turbulence. You can't get on that plane and go to the other side of the world and not hit a few bumps here and there. And we all go, oh, you know, I like to fly, but I just don't like the turbulence. You know, I just want to let you know, we always go like this whenever we hit that bump in the plane. But you got 35,000 feet before anything's really going to happen. Ain't that the truth? But we act like we're getting ready to... Whew. Hit the earth, not yet. You got a little, you got a little ways to go, but God's not going to let that happen. But Nehemiah was going through a season of, I guess, his provincial life, just going through everyday motions and routine and mundane ritual, limited, unchanging life and and he was the cupbearer he had a cupbearer status can you imagine that he was the one that just took the wine or the drink or uh, and presented that to the king but he had to take a sip first make sure it wasn't poison can you imagine that kind of a job but he was a cupbearer status kind of a person that was his position but he still you know he still wasn't progressing you can be a cupbearer, you can be at the highest place where you say, I've reached the pinnacle of my life of what I can do. Now I'm just gonna, you know, just kind of coast along until I retire. I want you to know something. Number one, that's a boring kind of a life. And you know, if you're if you're in if you're born again and you're a part of the kingdom of God. You want to thrive. You want more. You want to see God do more. You want people to be saved. You know, if all you want to do is just come to church and sit on the church pew, God's talking to you tonight. And and I'm praying that the Lord will begin to bring some disruptions in some of our lives so that we will come to a place where we pray. Pastor, don't pray that way. I'm going to pray that way because you do not progress unless you go through these times where, you know, you're being challenged. And trials and tests and troubles and storms and afflictions and disruptions challenge you. There, we're all sitting here tonight, and I can tell you, most of us wouldn't be here had we not been challenged by God, had we not had something happen in our life that drove us to God. Because if we stayed at that status of cupbearer and just living life largely, taking our ease at Zion and just saying, you know, K sirrah sirrah, whatever will be will be. My dad used to say that. I thought that. uh -uh. I want to see God move in my life. So God has to bring us to the place where he disrupts things in our life. And as a cupbearer status and still not progressing, Nehemiah was in a prominent, promoted position in the natural, but he was unfulfilling God's will spiritually. So you can have it all, is what I'm saying, but yet not be progressing in the things of spiritual nature and of the kingdom of God. God has to bring us to the place where He shows us by disruption, I've got something greater for you. I've got something greater for you. Or for us to see areas of injustices around us in situations that need an intercessor. We are living in times where the church needs to intercede especially in America, but everywhere. The church needs to intercede for the day and the time that we're living in, especially for our country, especially for leaders, especially for elections, especially for laws that are being passed. We need to be in prayer. We need to intercede for the injustices that are taking place in child uh, trafficking and sex trafficking and and, and the, the things that are going on. In this world We need to be burdened for that And one of the things That the Lord laid upon my heart Moving forward in this Teaching on this Is that we, we're in a season of the end times. And we cannot sit back and just watch the whole world begin to die and go to hell. I know that that's where it's headed biblically and I know what the back of the book says. I've read it. But we can't just sit back and watch people lose out in God because we're not burdened to intercede for them. We're not burdened to see a change come. Because I can tell you this church, this world, and this, our, our nation, judgment is hovering everywhere. There's not a country that doesn't have a problem. It's a, it's a powder keg waiting to happen. I don't know what's going to happen exactly, but I know that we've got countries Nations like China, and this ain't even in my notes, I'm just just sharing this with you. You got nations like China and Russia and these leaders, and and, and they're going to get to the place, I believe, where they've got nothing to lose anymore, so why not just go forward with something that's catastrophic? And we've got a nation that's completely divided. They're trying to legislate morality and you can't legislate morality. That's like trying to catch a fish or trying to clean a fish before you catch it. Did you hear what I said? You can't legislate morality. You can't say, I mean, we need to. There needs to be laws on the books and there are to, to, to have... You know, uh, laws where people are kept safe. I understand that. But, there, the, but what I'm trying to say to you is that just because you pass a law doesn't mean that a person's going to keep that law. What needs to happen in the church is we do need to vote. We do need to have laws on the book books. But the reason that we have to have all these laws is because we haven't preached God's law. And if we'll begin to come back to preaching God's law and people will get saved, the whole nation can change if they'll just get born again. If pastors will get up in their churches and begin to preach on repentance and getting right with God, it would cure the majority of all the problems that we have. If people just get right. Look, there's people sitting in this house tonight that used to be criminals did things that were against the law, did things that harmed people's lives. Maybe there's people that are not here tonight, but they've been through this church, and they were in gangs, they were in prison. They did things that were against the law. And they got saved and born again, and their life has been changed. See, all you have to do is get a man born again, a woman born again. Everything changes. And so we're in this season where, like Nehemiah, he saw that Israel's walls are torn down. Israel's in destruction. The gates are burned out. The walls are knocked down. The city's in destruction. And he had a burden. He had a burden. God began to put a burden upon him because he saw the injustices. He saw the terrible destruction that God's name is being, you know, reproached and, 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 and he's not getting the glory that he deserves. He's a God who established Israel and he promised covenants and uh, a covenant and he promised, you know, to bless them and, and, and now it's in ruin. And so he's burdened by what he sees. We have to be burdened by what we see out there in our country because I can tell you we can, we can vote and put in the person that we think is going to do the best job but they're not the Messiah they still need Jesus people still need Jesus see there's people that are that are angry about what they're seeing happen in our country the two-tiered justice system and if you don't see that then you're blind as a bat because so we have a two-tiered justice system and, 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 and I'm, so, I'm going to tell you something right now, okay? I, 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 Donald Trump is not my hero. He is not my Messiah. Jesus is my Messiah. But I can tell you, I'm seeing things happen, and I'm going, what in the world? This is not right. This is not right that all of these things are coming. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're scared to death that he just might get elected again. What's the alternative? For us to see areas of injustice or situations needing an intercessor, God disrupts our life. He disrupts our life. In 1999, I, uh, I'm sorry, in, yes, in 1999 or two, the first of 2000, I got out of the car one day. And I saw this girl walking by and I felt so, such compassion for her that she was lost. And I went and I tried to find her. I, I let her go for a minute and then the Lord said, go get her, go talk to her. And I tried and I, I ran down all the way almost to Northgate from where Grandma used to live on First and Wallace there in La Habra and she was gone. And I remember walking back to my car and I was broken and I'm crying and the Lord says... There's she's one of billions of people that do not know me. And I'm trying to get your attention. He was trying to get me to start a church in the city and I was like, "No, I don't I I I'm fine where I'm at. I want to stay where I'm at. I like my position. I like leading worship. I like preaching to the youth. I like going to the prisons. I like my job. I'm happy. I'm happy. And he said, yeah, but you're not doing everything that I want you to do. And I have something for you in this city. And I have to burden you and disrupt your life before you're going to do what I tell you to do. I'm talking about seasons of prayer. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, I used to go to church with my dad. And there was a, a, a man and a woman that went to the church where my dad was assistant pastor. And he took us there when we were little kids. I, don't, I just vaguely remember once or twice maybe going. But when I got saved, I got saved in that church. Just fast forward probably 15 years. I got saved in that church. That same church. And there was a couple there that had been there the whole time. And they said to me one time when we were eating dinner when I first got saved. They said, we always remembered you and your brother and your sister we always wondered what happened to you kids and we always prayed for God to get a hold of you because we didn't know where you where you you know what kind of leadership you were under at home were you being raised in church you know and we knew your dad had left and moved away and So, but we never cease to pray for you. And they said, and here we are sitting across the table from you, and you got born again in the church. Fifteen years of prayer produced an answer. We determine when we sow the seed. We never determine when we harvest. God does. But God allows the seasons of disruption to bring change. A season of deep reflection of deep intercession and of deep prayer. And it was a season of brokenness. The Bible says in verse 4 that Nehemiah said, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down, I wept, I mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It was a season of brokenness when he sat down. You know what God needs us to do? He needs us to stop for a second and just give him some time. Give ourselves to him and to intercession When God gets a hold of your heart, you have to stop for just a bit and let God begin to minister to our heart. He said, and and we mourned, or I mourned. He mourned over God's distressed people and God's distressed name or the reproach of His name and Israel's in ruins. It It is a... A a, a horrible testimony to see somebody that's supposed to be living for God and live for God and was doing, uh, you know, ministry and serving God and was the greatest testimony and example to see them walk away from God. The devil would rather you walk away from God and be a disgrace to the kingdom of God than to have never come at all and you be lost for eternity because it's a double whammy. Not only is he lost for eternity, but he made a mockery out. Out of the grace of God. And he stepped on that love. And stepped on that blood. And he, he forsook God. He became apostate. He said that's just one more. You know uh, one more uh, uh, trophy. In my trophy case. Of who was serving God. But walked away. I want you to know something tonight. That's why the Bible says. God is married to the backslider. Because he loves you and I. And he is going to love you. With his hands wide open. All the way as you go straight. As people go straight into hell, he's trying to love them to come to know him and to come back. But I'm so grateful that backsliders have come back. Sitting in this house are people that were backslid, but God brought them back. He brought them back to the kingdom of God. He brought them back to the family of God. He brought them back to restoration and recovery. That's the God we serve. But church, somebody had to intercede for those folks. Somebody had to pray for those folks. And he mourned and he was distressed. Or he was he was mourning over God's people that were in distress. And he fasted, the Bible says. And what does it mean to fast? It means to starve your flesh. Feed your spirit, man. If you're going to fast and you need to. And we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting in about two or three weeks. So get Ready? But when we have our time of prayer and fasting, whenever you fast, you turn the plate over. You don't go and watch TV in place of that. If you don't, when you're fasting, you turn the plate over. Get your Bible out. That's your meat. Amen. And you say, well, I'll read a few verses. nuh you don't take a couple bites, do you? You got a platter. Fill it up. We're going to read a few chapters here. The Spirit of God will begin to minister to you. You starve the flesh, but you feed the spirit man. When you don't eat and you're fasting and you turn that plate over, you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. That needs to be your meat. That needs to be your spiritual substance. It's a sacrifice of your appetites. And it has to be. And he began to pray and fast to the God of heaven certain days. That's where I got that thought of seasons. It was a season of prayer. I don't know how many days, but he was there certain days praying and fasting. And when was the last time that we did that where we began to step away from our everyday life and we began to sit down before the Lord and say, I want to fast and I want to pray and I want to take Him these things because I know that God has something greater. I'm tired of the mundane. I'm tired of the proverbial i'm tired of this provincial life i want something better i want something greater god has something better if you're broken in a season right now god has you where he wants you you're in that season on purpose by design he did that it's a season of prayer but it's a season of great change you know in 1995 angela and i we 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 went to Living Waters in ninety-four, and that whole year of ninety-four coming into ninety-five, I went through Gethsemane in ninety-four, and the early part of ninety-five when Kyle was born. That was the end part of it. That was the literal death <laughs> that I had to go through. But I remember I was plumbing, I was in the union, and I was working. And it seemed like everything you can imagine came against me. I just, I had one thing on top of another, on top of another. And God began to, God began to allow things to happen to me. I know he did because he was trying to humble me. He, he didn't just try, he humbled me, amen. But I remember I was working and I was uh, using an oxygen acetylene tank upside down, which I shouldn't have been, but I was on a ladder I'm not good on ladders, and so here I am, and I'm cutting this metal decking where they've got concrete so they can core a hole through. And I cut this piece of metal, and I thought, man, awesome. And it, it was red hot, I mean orange hot, and it came down and went right there on my, right there on my arm. I mean, I, I flung it off, but I had, if you've ever had a, 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 a burn so bad that it turns white, that was that. I don't know if it was a second or third or first or I don't know what it was, but it was white and it was about as big as a can, you know. And I had that big old burn. I had a big old bandage, you know. Here I am on the platform, trying to be, you know, look good on the platform, you know. I got this big old bandage on me, and 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 I had went down to a. Uh, th- this was years ago. I had went down to a uh, a beauty college, I guess, or where they were teaching uh, them how to cut hair. And I told them, I said, you know, I had big hair, and and so I said, I want you just to give. Give me a little trim, I want a flat top. And whoever cut my hair did not know what they were doing. And when they took those clippers and they began to come from the back to the front, when I saw my hair go, you ever seen somebody cut the grass and there's all this grass on this side and this side and there's a nice mowed area right there in the middle? That's what my hair looked like. I was like, ah, ah. I'm just looking in the mirror and I'm like, what, what could you do? You can't put it back. I said don't stop there just keep on going just take it all off I was furious my hair was all gone I looked like you know a fifth grader that just got a buzz cut with a little bit they said well you wanted a flat top I said I didn't want a short flat top I wanted something a little bit higher than that I didn't mean take me down to where I'm Pallone you know what I mean So I'm, I've got a bandage on my arm, no hair. And I had this mole on the side of my ear. And I kept picking at it and picking at it. And I opened up the floodgate. I couldn't get that thing to stop. I'd put a tissue on there and try to get it to stop and pull off. Think, okay, I'm good. But as soon as I sang a high note, pfft, here it come. I'm on the platform and I got all these problems. No hair, bandage on my arm. The bleeding side over here, you know. And I just thought, you look horrific. You're tore up. You know, when all these things were happening, I just it was just one thing after another, after another, after another. Sister Scowls and I went as embarrassed as I am. Now, this was 1994, 95, so don't throw stones at me. But we, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. We couldn't afford to pay attention. Got our car repossessed and everything. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It was a trial. It was a test. It was a, what we went through, and here I am. We're a mess. But you know what? God did something through that season. He took me down into prayer, and I began to pray and break. And I remember Pastor Duke said, Jonathan, God had to take all this stuff out of you before he could fill you up and use you. He had to empty you out first. The emptying season is not fun, but it has to be. Because you cannot, you cannot see God fill you up until He empties you out. He told Elisha, I believe it was Elisha, they said, This water is polluted. He said, Bring me a new cruise and put some salt in it. And you can't use the same old cruise. You got to use a new cruise. He said, I'm trying to make a new vessel out of you. And He put some salt in there and that water was healed. He said, Until you go through that, And I fill you up and make you that salt of the earth. I know you're born again, but I'm doing something tremendous in you. And this season of prayer, and I'm telling you, I went into that season of prayer in my life, and I was broken before the Lord, but He did something powerful in my life. So it isn't easy, but it's worth it. God can't use what won't submit to the breaking and some people won't submit to the breaking. They act like they want to but as the moment you put your finger on something phew. You know what I'm going to say something because there's somebody in here this is for. You know people they they go through things and they don't they struggle with things in their life. But yet you'll see them here in this altar and they'll weep and they cry. And you can't say that they don't love God or they wouldn't be there. The problem is, it's not that they don't love God. They don't fear God. The fear of God has got to come back to us. Because you can be in that altar and have a heart and weep and cry and bleed your heart out to God and then go right back to sin and the same thing. I've watched people do it time and time and time and time again. The problem is not that we don't love God. The problem is we don't fear God. And when you get down there and you realize, you know what, Lord? I am, uh, this, this altar that I come to and pour my heart out to, this cannot be something that's in vain this has to be a real words that I'm speaking to you that I intend on keeping. And so we need to pray, God, give me fear. Let there be a sensitivity to the fear of God and the grace of God, the grace of fear. Bring that back to my life because I've lost that and I don't want to lose that. I want to to love you and I want to fear you and I want to walk in the beauty of holiness. And faithfully and steadfastly. So the season that Nehemiah went through was a season of developing in prayer. Prayer will develop you. And there are seasons for that reason. Seasons come so we can develop our relationship with God, our approach to God, and our petition to God. Because I have found whenever I'm going through the deepest seasons and some of the greatest seasons of prayer, my prayer request changes and takes a different form. His heart was gripped. And as you begin to go through that season and that gripping where God's dealing with you, your dialogue is different. You dialogue different in that that broken season of prayer than you do in the times of peace. Your prayer is totally different. And it pulls out your deepest desire for God, your deepest reverence, your deepest honor for God, and your deepest hopes. In verse 5, he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. See, there's the fear of God there. It pulls, it brings you into a place where he begins to do something in your life. He said, you are the great, fearful, terrible, is what the King James Version uses, but almost all other versions use awesome or fearsome God, the God of heaven uh, that keeps covenant, and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. And verse 6, the Bible says, he begins to pray. Nehemiah says, let, now, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. And I'm confessing the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. He says... It was a prayer that recognizes that God's attention must be sought. Did you know you've heard us say seeking the face of God? What that simply means is you're seeking the face of God and you're wanting God to turn and look at you. There's a prayer that gets the, the, the attention of God. The blind Bartimaeus got the attention of God, attention of Jesus. He's walking. And he's screaming, it it, it didn't say that Jesus stopped until the disciples told him, don't scream, don't say anymore, shut your mouth, Jesus is busy. And he said, you didn't like that scream, I'm going to scream louder. And so he shouted out louder, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, screaming, and the Bible says Jesus stood and said, bring him here. What about the woman, the Sarah Phoenician woman? I love it. The approach to, to Jesus. She's, she's saying, you know, my daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. And, and, and one, and one uh, part of the Gospels, I don't, I don't remember which one, but it says that it, where that scripture is, and I just don't have it written down. I've read it many, many times, but you probably don't know it either. But if you do, don't say it. Amen. It's there. The Bible says that he answered her not a word. And she said, Lord, help me. He said, it's not lawful for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. Okay, I'm a dog. I humbly admit to you that I'm a dog. I don't deserve it, but please, I know I may be a Gentile, but help me. And the Bible says he turned to her and said, I ain't seen such faith. My goodness, your faith has brought that answer. Your faith has brought that answer. It, we, we must seek the face of God, and Nehemiah knew There's a reason why Israel's in the place that it's in. Because the people of Israel turned their back on God. And so now we've got to come back and we've got to seek Him. While He may be found, we've got to seek Him and get His attention. And Nehemiah knew that and he said, he said unto them, uh, unto God in his prayer he said, let your ear now be attentive and your th- your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of the servant which I pray before you now day and night, the children of Israel thy servants and confess their sins. He's saying, Lord, listen to me, hear me there's a prayer that gets God's attention. Do you believe it? And in that season, God takes us there. Your ear be attentive, your eyes be open and hear this prayer. It was a night and day prayer, a morning and an evening sacrifice. I've been there when the same prayer was on my lips for days, sometimes weeks. Do you ever pray about something and you just, every time you went there, that was the first thing you brought up? Man, that's what's on your heart. And I can tell you God will give you an answer. It seemed as if it never would lift or leave. There've been times that I I thought, "Lord, this thing isn't going to lift or this thing isn't going to leave until I get an answer." Because of the magnitude and the weight of the endeavor sometimes or the prayer request. You know, there's things we pray and 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 there's situations that we pray about and it's just it just seems like you know it's just not that big of a a prayer request but then there are things that are huge 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 and, and the Lord's like, you're going to stay here for a little bit. The same muscle that it takes to flex over here to make this prayer come to pass is the same muscle it takes over here. Same God. But this is something. This is, this is not just, you know, a, a little lay me down kind of a prayer situation. This is a huge, huge thing. it's it's something that's eternal it's something that's huge Israel's in ruin the walls are down the gates are burned out the people are in distress it's a reproach and he said the devil has brought this and it took a lot of disobedience in people's lives and their hearts to bring such destruction that the children of Israel were taken into captivity into Babylon and he said but God you've got to reverse this And I can tell you, God did. And He brought to pass His promise. But it seems sometimes that we have prayer requests and seasons of prayer. And the magnitude and the weight of that prayer is so huge. You don't stop praying until you get your answer. It's always on your lips. It's always on your mouth and in your mind. Satan has set himself to destroy anything good and anything that's God, of God. And especially the fulfillment of covenant promises and prophecies. God had prophesied Israel's restoration and Nehemiah was part of that answer. Think about it. God prophesied Israel's restoration in Jeremiah. And Nehemiah was part of that answer. Years later. A call to intercession most of the time, if not always, is a call to that ministry. He wasn't just called to pray for them. He God put that burden in him because he knew a man that prays about that is going to go and do something about it. If God puts upon your heart for the lost and you begin to pray for them, it won't be long. You'll be out there ministering on the streets because that's your heart. That's your heart. But a call to intercession most almost always is the the call to that ministry. The season you're in of prayer is far bigger than you could ever imagine. It's eternal. It changed Nehemiah's whole life, the whole trajectory of his life. Think about it. He's praying. He's the cupbearer. Everything's going great. I've got this cake kickback job. I, I, I've got retirement. I've got, you know, I've got everything. i got a 401K. Everything's going good. i got security. I've got seniority. I'm in a field that even if they, the whole economy takes a dump, there'll always be a job for me. You go, I got it made. And God says, you know what? I'm trying to do something in your life. And so I let you see something that caused you to say, you know what? All of this doesn't matter. This matters. Even though God may not make you leave that, he doesn't want that to be your whole destiny and what you wrap your whole life up in. You hear it be? He said, I see and hear about Israel. Didn't see it, but he said, I hear about Israel. And it broke his heart and it led him to prayer. And God said, I'm getting ready to change the trajectory of your life. I'm getting ready to change what's taking place in your life. But it has to start with a season of prayer. Nobody just decides one day to just know God does something deep in your life. Deep. Deep. Amen. I'm not going to preach all night long. Stay here with me. It brought a prayer of repentance, of recognition of God's vastness and His awesomeness because He is awesome. His eternal plan, His eternal will, and His eternal covenant. That's exactly what Nehemiah said. It's all there in those 11 verses. And Nehemiah was to bring it to pass. He said, I put that burden on your heart. I called you to a season of prayer, and you're the one I'm going to use because that burden in prayer is going to be what fuels the action to the ministry. Prayer seasons are ultimately about changing us. And it is God that wills and does he's working in us to do and to will of his good pleasure is what philippians two thirteen says god is working behind the scenes but he's changing our will and he's causing us to do the things that he wants us to do for his glory and his pleasure and his purpose i close with habakkuk chapter 2 that's at the habakkuk of the the habakkuk of the bible Somebody said, where's Habakkuk? I said, at the back of the Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. When you get alone with God, he'll talk to you. Amen. I was in prayer about a situation. This was several years ago and I just... I was not going to let God go until he gave me an answer. And what I was asking him was to give me discernment about somebody else's life and something. Because I was like, you know, I don't know if I can believe them or not. I don't really know. Are they being fraudulent? Are they being, you know, so I began to ask God and I, it was It was several weeks. I just began to pray. And I would just be like, Lord, what's going on? And I said, Lord, you've got to show me. And one day he told me, he said, what is that to you? What is that to you? I'm not going to tell you and expose something to you about them. That's between me and them. Okay? It doesn't even have anything to do with you. You're just, you just, you, what you need to do is you need to go on and be in peace because what happens in their life really has nothing to do with you. So just go on, you know, hustle buck, go on. Don't be worried about trying to discern what's going on in their life. Just go on and serve me. There's people dying and going to hell and you're wasting hours and hours trying to figure out if if they're telling the truth or not. He said, let me tell you something. You just live for God. People are going to be people. God knows how to deal with them. He knows how to get a hold of their hearts. He knows how to change them. But when you're up on that wall and you're in that season of prayer, get this scripture. He said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And so anymore i learned my lesson i'm not going to go over there and ask god to give me some kind of a discernment about something he doesn't want me to know amen he gives us discerning of spirits okay we discern things i'm not saying that he doesn't give us the spirit of discernment but there's there's a motive behind why we want to discern something sometimes and sometimes it's not a pure motive but he said in the word of God, I'm going to hear what God's going to say to me. And there have been times God has spoken things and he'll say things to you and he'll tell you what you are seeking him for and an answer that's going to advance the kingdom of God and it's going to advance you spiritually. And I remember when he spoke that to me, he said, none of your business. Go on. I said, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. I thought, where is that in the Bible? I had to go to my concordance and I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And it was back whenever whenever Peter asked, he said, Okay, so you told me I'm basically gonna die by being hung, crucified upside down. What about John? What about him? And Jesus said, Peter, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. What well, he was basically saying is, son, there's enough work for you to do. Tend to your own knitting, lady, okay. Angela used to say that to me. I'd be like, yeah, she is A. Because her grandma used to say it. Tend to your own knitting, lady, okay? Mind your own business. Okay, now moving on here. Verse 2, he said, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. I close with this. Prayer, especially seasons, are God's way of showing his vision and sowing his vision in us. He reveals it, his vision for our life and ministry and things of that nature and where we're headed. But he, it's prayer seasons are God sowing his vision in us and we determine the sowing but not the harvesting. Sometimes it's short harvest times. Sometimes it's long harvest times. But everything is working for our good and God's glory and he makes all things beautiful in his time. I sat across the table from somebody today that used to go to this church years ago. And they said to me, when I left, I left wrong. And I want to apologize to you because I left wrong. And I know I hurt you. And the Lord said, don't say a word, just listen. And so they they went on and they said, I'm sorry and I apologize. But I've grown now and I see what I didn't see then. And I said, that's every one of us. First of all, let, let let me let you know this right now. You didn't have to do that for me. Because I love you. I've always loved you. My feelings never changed. I've always loved you. I went through a season where I was hurt and crushed when you left. I said, but you know what? I said, God brought me through by his grace. And I said, and and, and I never even said in my heart, Lord, I hope one day they come back. One day that, they'll... no. I said, you went on, and I went on. Who am I to be offended? Jesus hung, the, he hung as the offense. So, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to hold grudges. I don't want to feel that way. I've never wanted to be like that. My relationship with God is too precious to me to, to be like that. So, but, but I said, I want you to know I appreciate you saying that, but I want you to know I love you like nothing happened. You hear me like nothing happened. And it's like we picked up from years and years ago. God is so faithful, but I sat there and I thought, Lord, he said, even you, Jonathan, there are times you have done things and you've had to look back over years and you've had to say sorry to people. I didn't see it then. I was young and dumb. But now I see. And please forgive me. I've had to go back to many people and say, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, 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 I did the way I did. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't right, but I can't go back and change that. But, And, you know, if somebody really loves God and their heart's pure, they're going to go, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's all under the blood. There's, there's so much to be done for the kingdom of God. And thank God that we have the heart that says, you know what, I just want to please God. And I just want to please God. All I'm saying to you is that, why did I say that for this? And I close with this, I promise you, that, that, that Nehemiah, Nehemiah was praying for healing and restoration and, of Israel. And he prayed a prayer in brokenness, and it was a time, some time, before it ever came to fruition completely, but it did. Habakkuk said, wait for it. God gives you a vision of restoration. He gives you a vision of something. It's for an appointed time. And it will come. You may have had things happen in your life and you're like, Lord, will this ever be corrected one day? I believe it will. If we'll pray and say, Lord, I just want, you know, I want healing. I want restoration, you know. I want restoration. And you have to be willing to say, I want restoration. Even if I don't get an apology, I want restoration. I just want to be in relationship with that person because they're related to me. I love them. They may be a parent. They may be a child. They may be a grandparent or something, a dear old friend. God wants to do that in us. And and I don't know why I'm going there, but I'm just saying this tonight, that seasons of prayer change us, develop us for ministry. They, they put us into ministry. They burden us for ministry. And everything else that we go through, there's a season where we go in prayer and there's a season where God begins to change it and bring the answer every time. Father, tonight... I thank you.